0: You ever been in a battle? Some of you have served in the military, so the word battle means something completely different. Maybe some of you wrestled in high school, fought, and if you have siblings, cousins, or ever had a friend, you've been in a battle. You've been in a fight. <laughs> Sometimes it was with your parents, your classmates, whoever it might have been. We've all fought. Everyone who ever fights looks for an edge. You want to have the upper hand. That's the idea, is to win a battle. Has anybody ever gone into a fight looking to lose? I don't think so. I think there's an end game one way or another, whether you're drawn into the fight, or you pick the fight, or get into it. If we're gonna fight, we need to know how. We need to know who. And if we can, we wanna know the outcome before it even starts. For whatever reason, in the last few weeks, here in this church several times from this pulpit we spoke about spiritual warfare and this morning I want to once again look at spiritual warfare I didn't come to this subject because I was wanting to or look to come to it but God brought me to this and there was nothing else to bring you this morning and what I'm going to share with you is what God has laid on my heart if you would turn with me to Ephesians the 6th chapter I'm going to read a very familiar uh, uh, scripture, uh, verses 10 through 20. If you would, stand with me all over the house. I actually have several scriptures that I want to share with us this morning that really kind of outline uh, what spiritual warfare looks like if we're going to be in the battle, what it looks like, what it takes, and what's expected of us. Ephesians 6, verse 10 and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, this is Paul talking, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare boldly as I ought to speak. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity once again to be in your house. We don't know how often we'll be able to do it. But God, we thank you for this time and this opportunity. And Lord, we pray that it would not be wasted. But God, that you would open the hearts, minds, and souls, the ears of those that hear. God, that you would speak through your vessel. God, your word would be shared. Jesus would be glorified. We would seem high and lifted up and holy. And Lord, that we would go out to a lost and dying world and share the good news. For all this, we'll give you the honor, the glory, and the praise. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to immediately go back to verse 12. Verse 12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. How many of us know that there is a spiritual battle going on around us at all times? We're a part of it, but we can't see it most often. Very seldom will we ever see a piece of it. Just about three weeks ago now, at my place of work, there was chaos going on. I didn't understand it. It had popped up. It was just going crazy. It felt like things were out of control and getting more out of control. And I had a plan to fix it. I was going to handle it. I had laid out things and and we were going to take care of the situation and I had to go to my desk and I stepped into the office area into about a 10 foot long uh, uh, hallway and at the end of that hallway you go down to offices or there's a kind of a break area and as I stepped into the side of the break area about 10 feet from me was a black silhouette about shoulder high I couldn't see eyes, there was no head, there were no arms, but it was a silhouette. I could virtually see through it as almost it was a shadow. But immediately in front of me, there it was. And then it just went. It moved. It took off. It was gone. I'm not blind. I'm not crazy. I know what I've seen. And I stepped around the corner and I looked for it and it was gone. And I looked at the immediate office nearby. I walked through all the offices and there was nobody in there with me. And I knew what I had seen. I didn't understand. I made it to my desk. And I began to work. I had things that I had to take care of. But in a little bit, I began to pray. And then God began to ex- reveal to me, there's the spirit of chaos that you've been dealing with. You see, it wasn't people. It was the devil stirring up things. His minions. His, his demons. We were dealing with a spiritual battle that was there to stir up trouble. I began to pray and I realized in a little while the plans to deal with the problem that I had weren't plans at all and I set them aside and God began to work and he smoothed the situation out, he's done things in there that are unbelievable, he's been at work at my work and I just wonder what's been going on at yours. You see, we're in a spiritual battle. It's a warfare. I've never seen anything like that in my life, and I don't expect to ever see it again, but I know what I've seen, and now I know what was going on. God gave me peace. I wasn't scared. I always thought if I faced a demon, I would probably be scared to death. I was not. You know why? Because it was not in my power. That thing ran from me, but he wasn't running from me. He was running for who's in me. The Spirit of God is in me. And he can't stay where Jesus is. The power of Jesus will run the devil off. We are in a spiritual battle, folks. What's going on around you? And are you spiritually attuned enough that God can show you some things? We're in a battle. You know what? If we're going to fight a spiritual battle, we're going to have to acknowledge the enemy. We're going to have to acknowledge that we do have an enemy and we're going to have to know who he is. Satan is real. If Satan wasn't real, why would God have sent His Son to fight a battle that didn't exist? Think about that a little bit. Let it soak in. Jesus came to save that which was lost. To create a bridge where sin had broken down. Where the devil had been fighting. If there wasn't something to fight, why would Jesus have come? We wouldn't have needed a Savior. So we know that that we're fighting one. In fact, it says in the Bible, if you go to 1 John uh, verse, or chapter 3 and verse 8, the second half of that verse says, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. That's why Jesus came. To save you and I. And that's something right there in the Bible. I can tell you I've read that hundred times. Maybe a thousand times. And until I really began to study and I found that statement. Praise the Lord. (laughs) He came to destroy the works of the devil. Which side are we on this morning? Why is Satan here? Why is that happening? And once again, the answers are in the Bible. And I found them in Revelations 12, verses 7 through 12. There was about The battle we're in now is a continuation, but that battle's over. There was a battle fought in heaven. Can you imagine how God deals with chaos in heaven? I'll tell you. Let me read it to you. Now, war arose in heaven. Can you imagine? We think of heaven. How could there be war in heaven? But there was. Lucifer decided that he was going to be God. He was going to take him on. It says, Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil, and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Man, can you imagine when God gets loud in heaven? That's what happened right here. Imagine that voice getting loud. He said, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come to the accuser of our brothers, has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. Let me just tell you that nothing's changed. The devil's still accusing God. He's still accusing Jesus, and he's accusing you. And you need to know that when that spirit of accusation against God's people rises up in you, that means you don't like what the preacher preached, or the way he dressed, or the fact that he walked by and didn't shake your hand, or you don't like what's going on in the church. But when you start that accusing, guess where that comes from? One, that spirit of accusation, one against another, wherever it's at. And he's still accusing today, and he's still stirring that up today. (coughs) Excuse me. Verse 11, it says, And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives, even unto death. He's talking about uh, martyrs. Therefore uh, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, For the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows that his time is short. Jesus seen him thrown down. I'm actually going to address that in a little bit. But the devil didn't want to come to earth. He was sent here and he showed up with wrath. And you ever ask the question or have the question asked of you, why do bad things happen to good people? Right there's the answer. The devil was cast out of heaven. He hates God. He hates anything to do with God. And he's here to steal, kill, and destroy anything. Think about that. That's why there's disease. That's why there's death. That's why there's suffering. Why? Because the devil and his angels were kicked out of heaven. They were defeated there and cast onto the earth. They're here to stir up chaos any way, shape, or form they can. They don't care. I heard just since the pandemic, it, I started to hear it often, and, and you've probably heard it too. Maybe we've even said it without thinking. I'll Just be glad when things get back to normal. I got news for you. They weren't ever normal to begin with. Not since the devil landed on this earth have things been normal. They've only continued to get worse and worse And worse. And yes, we may get past this one, but there's the next one coming. Mm -hmm. As long as the devil exists, this world's gonna get worse. Oh, but there's a great day coming. There's an end to it. But are we prepared and are, are we in the fight? It's not so important what happens to us, but how we address it, how we prepare for it, and how we get ready for it. The devil is out to steal, kill, and destroy. And this place isn't normal. This isn't home if you're a Christian. We're just passing through. We must accept, we must accept our God-given authority. He gives us authority. He does not give us authority to go rogue and just go do our own thing. And so it's important that we understand what God-given authority is. But He does give it. In Matthew Chapter 28, verses 18 and 19, Jesus said this. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He's talking about himself. And then in verse 19, he says to the people that are with him, his disciples, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. He didn't say go out and win the battle. He didn't say go out. He gave instructions to go out and win. Our battle isn't like the battle of most people or things. Our battle often starts inside. We'll talk about that in a minute. But the fact is, our battle is to go out and defeat the devil, not in our own power. In fact, in James, we find out how to begin to win that battle. In James uh, chapter 4 and the 7th verse says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It doesn't say fight him, defeat him, pull out your, you know, sword and stab him with it and you're going to cut him to pieces and you're going to defeat any of these things. It says to submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Now it's hard. Submitting to God. So often we want to do our own thing. We've got our own plan. God, if you just let me help you, I could make it so much better. No, God has a plan. And we'll have to submit to him when we submit and begin to resist the devil, what's that submitting look like? First, you'll learn to fight on your knees. It's not standing with shield out, helmet on, and sword up, but it's on your knees. When you get on your knees, it's no longer a fair fight. The devil can't stay. Where the name of Jesus is being exalted. You need to know that. He can't stay around. And when we begin to get on our knees and begin to pray and to seek God and to draw near to Him, oh, things begin to happen. Maybe you don't see Him at first. God takes time. He develops us. He trains us. He works with us and on us. And then begins to work through us. We must first... As we get on our knees and we get, begin to submit to God, then we can begin to put on his armor. The belt of truth. And, and Pastor Joplin just talked about these things. I don't remember if it was a Sunday or a Wednesday. Sometimes I get the, the, the mixed up, but I remember him just talking about the belt of truth and how it kind of holds everything together. Understand this. When Paul wrote this, he was in a Roman Prison chained to a Roman soldier. He's looking at him. And God's inspiring him. He said, Put on the belt of truth. It holds almost everything together. The breastplate of righteousness. The shoes of preparation and peace. That one's left out an awful lot. We don't talk about that a lot. But we're to live in peace and to make peace and to be peacemakers to wear the shoes, the preparation for peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, also including prayer. We begin to to submit to God, begin to get on our face, begin to pray, to spend time with Him and His Word, and He begins to prepare us. Oh, coming to church is a piece of it, and you're going to learn things here. But the real growth is going to happen when you get alone with God. We can sprinkle the seeds here. We can do a little fertilizing here. But the real growth, and you can measure your Christian growth and your Christian preparedness to go into spiritual warfare by how much time you're spending alone with God. How much time is God having to work on you? How much time are you giving Him? Are you really serious about what matters in the rest of your life in eternity. How much time are you spending with Him? Understand this. That time in prayer, that time in preparing for warfare, one thing is going to happen. Probably the greatest battle you'll ever face is going to be in your mind. Probably more than outside and what's going on. The battle of the mind. The battle of understanding. I found this and I thought it was so good. I don't want to think the devil's thoughts. I don't even want to think my thoughts. I want to think God-given thoughts. I want to think on the things of God. I want to allow Him to... You know what? When we get to eternity, all of the things that we're chasing in this world are going to matter that much. Not at all. That's what I'm trying to tell you. What is happening in this world, the pursuits of the things we're going after that are not spiritual don't matter when we get to eternity. It doesn't matter how much, how little, power, prestige, any of those things. They're not going to matter. Your favorite toy will not even be thought of in eternity. It won't matter. I want to think God-given thoughts. In 1 Peter 5, verses 6 through 11, he tells us, Humble yourselves, therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you. We spend time. We learn to put on the armor of God. It's not just oh, let's just go put it on and go. But we've spent time. God's trained us. God's worked with us. God's. I just see Paul sitting back around, I think he's a school teacher. You know, we don't just send kids out into the world until we educate them, right? And they spend time in class and preparing and working. That's what God's trying to get us to. Once we've done that and we've learned to put on and use the armor of God, Now Peter says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him. No longer afraid. Anxieties because He cares for you. That's why. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him. How many times does it tell us to resist him? Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. That's around the globe. Think about that. On your worst day, there's other people going through the same things or worse around the world. The gospel has spread around the world, and all of us are dealing with spiritual warfare, and after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to His eternal glory in Christ, will Himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you, to Him be the dominion forever and ever, amen. We're talking about the one who is in control. And he says, yes, you're going to suffer. Yes, you're going to deal with problems in this world. Why we're in a fallen world. Why do good things or bad things happen to good people? The devil's here. It's never going to be okay until he is final defeat. But Jesus is in control. We understand our weapons. Now we are to use our God-given weapons. We are to take every thought captive and we are to live in faith, truth, and praise. I can't tell you how important the praise at the beginning of each service is. I can't tell you how important it is to praise God all day long, early in the morning, late at night, whether it's through song, whether it's through reading, through prayer, telling others, but worshiping, praise is never out of order, period. And it is a huge part of our Christian life and our Christian battle. We live in faith and truth and praise. When these things are in order and happening, we will begin to see God use us. And he'll use us in ways we've never imagined. Me standing here is proof of that. Let me tell you this. The devils tremble when they see the weakest Christian on their knees. When the weakest Christian is on their knees crying out to God, the devil knows he's defeated. It's not a fair fight from there forward. He can't win. How much time have you spent on your knees? You want to let the devil know he's lost? Begin to spend time with God. It's not just go out and try to live it. It's get to know God. Get in His Word. He will prepare you to fight battles you've never seen, you've never imagined, and at this point, maybe you're not prepared for. He'll begin to give us power. He'll begin to use us. Think about walking this earth 2,000 years ago and walking it with Christ. Disciples, there weren't just the 12, but there were many that followed Him. And at a certain point in time, their schooling, their work had come to a point where it was time for a test. And Jesus sent the 72 out for a test. Told them how to go, where to go, what to do, and how to handle things. And they came back to Jesus in amazement. They had been following him, and now he sent them to do the work, to be in the spiritual battle. And here's what happened. We find it in Luke 10, verses 17 through 21. It says, the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord. You, you, you know how a little kid will come running in. I got grandbabies, man. They get so excited. They just come running. I can just see. I don't know if that's how they came or not, but they said they came with joy, running. You know, when my grandbabies say, Papa, oh, man, you just see a fat boy melt. I mean, it's just uh, whatever they want, you know. Yeah, you want my pop, you want whatever. Jesus had sent the 72 out, and here they're returning with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Key at the end of that, in your name. The demons cannot stay where the name of Jesus is being exalted. He went on and, uh, and he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. You remember that battle in heaven when Satan was kicked out? Jesus Watched him fall from heaven. Behold, now here Jesus tells him, Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. God's handed him authority. But then he tells him, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, That the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. You see, they didn't do it in their own power. Oh, Jesus gave them the authority, but it was His authority through them. The only thing they had to rejoice in is the fact that they had surrendered their lives to Jesus and their name is written in heaven. That's our confidence. Now we can allow the Lord to work in our lives, to have his will in our way, in our lives. He goes on in verse 21 and says, in that same hour, this talking about Jesus, rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to the little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. Man, that lets me in. I ain't got to be the smartest guy in the room. I don't think I ever have been. Never will be. But I can be the little child, and God can use me if I'll submit myself to him. My strength, my power, and what will happen going forward is not my own. I simply can become a conduit that God can work through, and he'll take us, and he'll begin to take you. You want to win that spiritual warfare? I just... Gave you the formula. Get on your face. Begin to cry out to God. Get real with Him. Get sincere. Give Him your will, your ways, your wants, your desires. He'll give you anew, a fresh. And He'll take you and He'll do things with you, to you, through you that you've never dreamed If we will continue to humble ourselves, God will begin to reveal Himself. He'll do it in ways, like I said, there are battles. And sometimes He reveals what those battles are. I told you just a few weeks ago, He peeled back the curtain just a little bit. I have no idea. You know what's amazing about seeing that little thing running from God? What I didn't see were the angels around that God had sent. There's a sport, spiritual battle. There's spiritual warfare. I just seen the trouble. I didn't see what was there behind it because I know in my own power I, I couldn't have ran that thing off, but the power of Jesus, the power of God, and who He had sent to fight that battle was who and ran off. And we find the same thing in Second Kings, the sixth chapter, fifteenth verse, fifteen through seventeen says uh, it's Elisha and he's, uh, he's at home, and God has been revealing to him what the king of Syria is thinking in his bedchambers. And, and his prophets and his uh, worshipers of uh, false gods have told him, hey, this old boy Elisha over here, he knows what you think in your bedchamber. And that's right, because God knows all, and he revealed it to Elisha. So what's he do? What any good king, we're going to go get that dude. So he sent his army over there to get him. And suddenly, when the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? In other words, now we're defeated. But he, being Elisha, said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed, and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountains, this is essentially behind them, was full of horses and chariots of fire all around. The surrounders had been surrounded. And that's how it is in our lives. If God would open our eyes, there's more with us than be with them. You know, a funny thing about that story, though. (laughs) Elisha said, drop fire on them, God, and kill them. No, that's not what he said at all. I I think God would have done that had Elisha asked for it. Instead, he asked God to strike them blind. And God struck them blind. Those men were there to get him. They were going to kill him. And what did the man of God do? He said, God, would you strike them blind? And God struck them blind. Elisha went out to him and said, Hey, guys, y'all are in the wrong town. Your map was wrong. You're in the wrong place. Come with me. And they followed him into the city where the king was. And once they got into the city where the king was, then he asked God to open their eyes. They were in a city surrounded, there wasn't even a surrender. They couldn't go anywhere. They couldn't do anything. They couldn't fight. They were surrounded now by the king of Israel and his people. And the king of Israel is all excited. He's like, hey, you want me to slaughter them? And just like, uh, no. When you have a captive, you don't slaughter them. You feed them. And they had a feast. And when they got done with the feast, they sent the army home never to come back again. Go read your Bible. That's how God handles things. Nobody could have seen that work out. And I wonder what's going on in your life. What kind of chaos is stirred up in your life? What God is trying to do. You'll have to get close enough to Him that He can put the whole armor on you. Yes, you can put it on. But that He can put it on you and train you in it, prepare you for it. Folks, there is a spiritual war going on. Chris, would you and the team come? Because Jesus has a job for us to do. He gave us that job just before he left. It's my favorite ending to the Gospels. It's in Mark chapter 16, verse 15 says, through 18 says, and he said to them, this is Jesus talking, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. And they will pick up servants with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. That sounds to me like people that are in a spiritual battle.